wearable hemodialysis, the promise of portability. You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and joining me is Dr. Victor Gura. Dr. Gura is Associate Clinical Professor of Medicine at the UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine. He is also an attending physician at the Cedar sinai Medical Center. And today we're going to be discussing a wearable hemodialysis device and its use in end-stage renal failure. Dr. Gura, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks for taking some time to be with us today. Uh, You're very welcome, sir. Before we get into this topic, could you tell us a little bit about your own medical background and and what led you into this uh, particular area of research? Well, I went to medical school in Buenos Aires, Argentina. My father was a physician. I did my internship and residency in Israel, Tel Aviv University Medical School. I was in the service in Israel for 11 years in the medical corps of the Air Force and the Army. I was a flight surgeon. I also did my residency in nephrology training in Israel. I did an additional fellowship here at USC, University of Southern California, and then I started to practice medicine, doing dialysis, nephrology, which is my area of specialty at Cedar sinai and in this area, and I also started to be involved in the teaching nephrology and internal medicine as a clinical faculty at UCLA. This idea of hemodialysis and, and uh, portable hemodialysis fits in nicely with your life's work, obviously. But let me ask you this. Before you and your team published in Lancet before that, had any work been done on portable hemodialysis devices? Oh, yes. Could you tell us what was the state of the art? Dialysis and portability have been sort of the holy grail of the world of nephrology for decades. A portable dialysis was done by Willem Kohls, who was a giant in our field that also is the father of modern dialysis. And he tried to develop a wearable that never went anywhere in terms of commercialization, but he actually built one. It was rather heavy and couldn't go around for more than a couple of hours. Later on, Dr. Eli Friedman developed a dialysis device that went in a suitcase and was portable. Also, Dr. Tishan in the war in Korea used some sort of portable mobile dialysis device in the field. And there have been others that attempted to build a dialysis machine that was portable. And portable can mean that you can put it in the trunk of your car and move it, or you can wheel it from one room to the next. But the concept of wearability as opposed to portability is a different concept. There were very important reasons that became apparent in the late 90s, early 2000s of why wearable was important. Wearable is important because as it is something that ergonomically adapts to the contour of the body and it's independent from an electrical cord because it's battery operated. And instead of using 120 liters of fresh water per treatment, uses only 375 cc's of fluid that is constantly regenerated, then you can become truly wearable and create something that is miniaturized and people can wear it 24-7. Well, that would be quite a bit different than the experience today. Could you tell us a little bit about the 
actual unit that was used in this pilot study, size, weight, patient experience? Can you help us picture it? Yes, definitely. The wearable artificial kidney built today and shown in the last paper in Lancet, although there are other papers describing the wearable artificial kidney and Kidney International contributions to nephrology and the ASIO journal, is based on the fact that it is adapted to the contour of the body as a belt. It is operated on batteries that are very light. The particular study we showed in London used 9-volt batteries. The weight of the device, which is still a crude prototype in the London study, weighted about 10 pounds, and people could walk around with it. But the crucial thing is that we can really impact outcomes. And we nephrologists have been a little arrogant over the decades, thinking that if we dialyze somebody three or four hours, three times a week, we can actually replace the kidneys. And we never caught up until recently with the fact that our native kidneys work 24 hours, seven so thinking back, what would make us believe that 12 hours of filtrating blood is as good as 168 hours of filtering blood every week? And it simply doesn't make any sense when you put it that way. But it was the best we could do, we thought. We thought. And in the 80s, we tried to reduce the dialysis time from usually four hours to two hours with the use of highly efficient, high-flux dialysis machines and filters. And the mortality increased, so much so that people went quickly back to three and four hours because then the mortality came back to what it used to be before. Yet, the mortality and morbidity of patients on dialysis is unacceptable. The mortality is equal to the mortality of patients with metastatic cancer of the breast or the colon. That's not good. I take it from your earlier discussion that a good part of that is because of the lack of dialysis time. Correct. And today there are hundreds of papers mounting evidence in the literature pointing to the fact that if you dialyze every day, you can radically alter the outcomes of chronic dialysis. If you are just joining us, you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Dr. Victor Gura. And we're talking about a wearable hemodialysis device. Victor, you were telling us a little bit about the actual device that was used in the pilot study. What was the patient experience? Do you have any feedback on how they did with it? The patients loved it. There was not one complaint. The only thing they said that was not positive is, well, we would like it to be a little less obtrusive so we can move around without everybody looking at us. But the bottom line is we put those devices in London on patients above their clothes as opposed to under their clothes because we were closely observing the device and its performance. The device is intended to be worn on the skin under the shirt, under the skirt, and people could walk around, go to work, travel while undergoing dialysis 24-7. How does the fistula needle work in a patient who's continually ambulatory? Any problems there? Well, there is no fistula needle. This works exclusively with the catheter. You can't have two large bore needles on the arm of a patient held by some flimsy pieces of tape and have the patient walking around and getting in a bath or going to work. It's dangerous. So the wearable artificial kidney is intended for being used only with a central catheter, which we have designed. 
What were your findings with respect to electrolytes, acid-base balance, that sort of thing? There were no problems whatsoever with acid-base, with electrolyte balance. And we also removed effectively all the fluid we wanted to remove. But the most important thing is that fluid should be removed from the body in a slow and steady fashion as opposed to trying to remove three or four liters every two days in three or four hours. That's very unphysiological, and it's no wonder patients feel sick the day after dialysis. With this device, there was not one complaint, no nausea, no vomiting, no dizziness, no diarrhea, no cough, no nothing. Your pilot study showed that this is obviously uh, promising for the future, both in terms of, of patient acceptability as well as clinical criteria. What's next in your research? Well, first of all, the most important thing is we believe that this should be the new standard of care one day. And the reason is that we believe this is the way to provide people with daily dialysis without having to build new dialysis units, getting nurses we don't know where to find, and finding the money to do it. So this is one of the crucial issues. In terms of the next steps, we're going to proceed with further clinical trials in an iterative form. That is, we did eight patients for eight hours. Now we're going to go into 24 hours, 48 hours, a week, a month, three months. And hopefully after those studies, the FDA will allow us to go to market. At this point, then, what is the take-home message to physicians who have patients on hemodialysis? Is this something that's going to happen in the next decade, do you think? Our hope and desire is to have it tomorrow in the market, but we believe in a couple of years we will have it out, but I cannot promise that. But my take-home message to patients, that, to doctors that have patients on dialysis is dialyze frequently, dialyze long, and your patients will live longer. Let me ask you this. I, again, I know you can't predict the future, but how do you think in terms of costs this unit will compare and the process will compare with our current hemodialysis regimens? Well, here's the situation. Medicare spends about $30 billion a year in keeping the dialysis population alive. And about one-third of this goes to pay for hospitalizations, drugs, surgeries, there are data upon data that on daily dialysis, those $10 billion can be sliced out. So that's savings number one. These are not our data. These are data from the folks that have been doing daily dialysis. Anybody that has any interest can find the papers on how daily dialysis saves so much money. In terms of the cost of our device, we cannot give at the present time any firm data, but we believe that the cost of keeping somebody on dialysis 24-7 for a month is going to be similar to the cost of keeping somebody alive with three times a week for four hours. Well, that's impressive. Let me ask you this. What do your more traditionally minded colleagues think about this direction of research? When your paper came out, what kind of feedback did you get? Well, I've been working on this since 2001. At the beginning was skepticism. Then is an attitude of, well, let's see if you can really deliver. Uh, right now, people are very enthusiastic. No matter where I go in the world to talk about this, there is a great hope. And we will do our biggest efforts not to disappoint the community and the patients. But everybody had a wait-and-see attitude. Now everybody's beginning to buy into the concept.
Is the next generation of docs going to be thinking differently about hemodialysis, you think? Well, there is plenty of things that happen every day that make the young generation see new things happening every day. The, the, the advances are enormous in so many fields. So they're very open. The, the young guys are open to everything new. It's, a, it's astonishing. The more conservative folks that have been around for 20, 30 years have more, well, let's see, because this has been tried before. How come you did it and other people didn't? Right, right. Well, I, uh, I think it's fascinating as well, and I hope to hear more from your group and I hope to hear more on the process itself. Sounds like our patients will benefit. I want to thank Dr. Victor Gura for being our guest. We've been discussing a pilot study for a portable hemodialysis device. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, and you've been listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. Thanks for listening.